And the whole church said, hadn't it already been a good day to be here? Especially if you got to be part of our Bible classes this morning, you have already been blessed in a really, really wonderful way. want to welcome each and every one of you who are here in person. Also want to welcome those of you who are joining us online. Appreciate you clicking over. Appreciate you coming out this morning. It was a rainy night and kind of yucky about 6 a.m. this morning, but boy, it's gorgeous out there. I'm glad y'all came to church at this time, not at that other time. Hello, Miss Linda. It's so good to have you here. We're uh, thankful to have you here. If you're joining us online, appreciate you subscribing to our channel or hitting the like for this program particularly. That would be helpful and a blessing to us. On your way in, I hope you got a copy of the Caring and Sharing, a number of things here that uh, will be updates from, from last week and that we'll, we'll give you a couple of updates from what has actually changed since then, but a really great source of information. We won't be able to mention all the things in the Caring and Sharing, so please take a look at it. As you know, most of you know, you can get a copy of the Caring and Sharing online anytime, anywhere on your phone, and so visit the website and download the Caring and Sharing Wednesday night announcements. Anything that you're needing is there, and we would appreciate you staying in touch with us in that way. I want to be sure that everyone is prepared for our contactless Lord's Supper time. You have an individual communion set that's available on the table back in the back. Now would be a good time to get that if you don't have one already. Also, mo most of you are aware and want to remind you that we have several contactless giving uh, procedures. There's a box in the back. QR code will take you to somewhere on the website. Many of you have already set that up through your banks, and we're really thankful for that. We have good news. Somebody say amen. amen. They did better that time. <laughs> uh, we, we Arlene has said, come on. And so I encourage you to wear your shoes that Mike can get a little bit of mud on them or something like that. But we're going to have our picnic this evening starting at 4 o'clock. Food usually gets served somewhere around 6 o'clock. So would love to have you there. Bring your chair, lawn chairs if you have a game that you want to play. Let's see. A mud football game sounds like exactly the right thing to play today. We'll let the youth group get on board with that. Also, uh, I believe Vicki and Sandy will be there tonight. And if, you, if your picture in the directory looks anything like this, or maybe it looks like your children are still five years old and they're all grown or something like that, uh, you'll have an opportunity to take a retake for the directory while we're out there. I'm hoping most of you are aware that next Sunday evening we will be hosting a trunk or treat out here in our Acacia side parking lot uh, that you've already done. There is a sign-up sheet in the Welcome Center. If you're going to bring, a, if you're decorating a trunk and going to be here for that, we would really appreciate knowing how many of those we're going to have. 
uh, so that we can set up properly. If you're doing that, you need to be here a little before 5.30, of course, because we'd like for the kids to start coming through about then. So uh, also, you've been very generous. We've already had to empty the bin of candy once. Please don't stop. We expect to have lots of kids here uh, because of the good things going on and their opportunity to be out. And again, as you talk to your neighbors and friends, what's the selling point? Little walking, much candy. Say it with me. Little walking, much candy. So that's, that's your selling point to your friends and neighbors to come to the trunk or treat. Uh, we, if you were able to be with us during Bible class, we were able to hear an update on uh, EEM, Eastern European Missions, doing a great work. Uh, we not only got an update, but we kind of got to get a background, and we were really glad to have Monty Tuttle. Monty, would you mind standing? We're gonna, Monty's going to word prayer for us in a minute. Welcome, Monty Tuttle, to our services. If you would like to hear any, uh, anything about how uh, you could make a difference in the big world and bringing peace to the world in a way that is powerfully being evidenced that it can. Those of us who were in Bible class got to hear a lot about that peace and bringing enemies together under the love of Christ. If you'd like to hear more about that, uh, Monty will be out at the table that's in the foyer and be glad to visit with you as long as you'd like to visit. This is a very special morning. Um, a few months ago, we appointed new elders. Today, we have the opportunity to appoint some additional deacons to our body of deacons, and we're thankful for that. Men who come to accept the responsibilities of church leadership and formal service accept an awesome task. Not only do those men do that, but their wives and families do as well. To be a deacon in the church is to join in the service of the greatest cause in the world. Let us all not forget that living as a follower of Christ is no trivial matter. We all serve the church and the world around us following the ultimate example of Christ. We all strive to live up to the calling that each of us has received. This morning... Our attention is going to focus on the faithfulness of God to His church. We are celebrating God's gracious gift of His leadership and His ministry and the ministry and service of the whole body of Christ as five men are appointed as deacons of our congregation. That God would call us all to His ministry, both to the church and even more profoundly to the world, is an awesome and incredible concept. It is among the greatest gifts of God that he can use us, broken vessels, to do his great ministry of wholeness and peace. So while we place these men into special roles of responsibility, it also reminds us, it reminds all of us of the responsibility to trust God in his leadership, to trust God to follow Christ, to trust God such that we are ready to self-sacrificely self-sacrificially serve as we form the body of Christ in this place. But again, as every Sunday, the priority this day is to praise God and His Son, Jesus Christ. So I invite you to join with, the whole, with your whole heart, so, heart my, soul, mind, and strength. Why would I mess that line up of all lines? Won't you join together in worship? 
Our Father, holy, holy is your name. Father, this morning, I, I'm just so thankful for the good news. You have given us good news. You have shared with us uh, the personification of the good news, Jesus Christ himself. Father, I'm, I'm remembering this morning that uh, the good news uh, 
the, the angel that announced to the shepherds that Jesus was born called it good news. The, the gospels called it the good news of the kingdom. Jesus himself called it the good news as he told us to go share it with every, everybody, with all. And that good news, Father, there's so many, so many things that are good news uh, that you have sent Jesus to uh, reconcile us to you, to, to tear down the walls that we put up by our own sin, the walls between us and you, that you build a bridge to us through Jesus Christ. And the good news that comes now that uh, not only will we stand together on Zion's glorious summit someday singing praise to your name, but also, Father, that heaven has come here. And the abundant life that Jesus promised, we don't have to die to start enjoying. That abundant life is here and now. A life filled with peace life filled with joy no matter what is going on no matter what father through Jesus we have joy confidence and boldness that you are on the throne no matter how it looks in this world the peace to walk with confidence and boldness no matter what kind of storm is coming just like Jesus walked on that water in the storm. That no matter what storm comes in our life, we can have peace, confidence, we can walk with joy. And Father, that we have been taught by Jesus, not just by words, but by example, the secret, the solution to all the ills of the world, all the problems of the world, the, the power to change the world as Jesus showed us in unconditional, self-sacrificial love. Father, that is good news because that, that we all have the ability to demonstrate and to share and show. Father, I'm also just reminded this morning as we've talked about missions, uh, Father, that you have not just asked us, not just uh, suggested, but you've commanded that we share and take this good news around the world to all people. And the good news is truly for all, for everyone, all people, all races, every tribe, every tongue. Father, teach us, show us, demonstrate to us how to do that, to be locally minded, to be regionally minded, and to be globally minded about this good news. Father, fill us, fill us to overflowing. Father, my prayer is that all of us here this morning would know deep down in our soul how long and high and wide and deep is your love for us and that we would live lives overflowing with that love every single day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
At this time, we'd like to ask the uh, five new deacons and their wives to come, and we've got some spots up here on the front uh, pews for you. When Jesus was ready to show them the full extent of his love, he took on the role of the lowest servant and washed the disciples' feet and then proceeded to the cross. Over and over again in the Gospels, the disciples are reminded that theirs is not the world's, or for that matter, current Jewish practice or leadership. The Apostle Paul's favorite word for the church leaders was servant. He characterizes his own ministry most often as that of service. When he commissions his co-workers, he again typically describes the work he is appointing them to do as serving. When he wants to give the greatest affirmation to various friends and supporters, he applauds how they are serving. He did this because he was following the example and the instructions of Jesus. You have been identified by this congregation to lead, but you are, but you are to do so by serving. By serving in this way, you are ultimately walking in the steps of Christ. Never forget that it is the Father who calls you, Jesus who redeems you and frees you from, from this for, his serve, for the serve, and the Spirit who equips you and empowers you for the task ahead. Always give glory to God in all that you do. As I call you deacons and wives, y'all come and stand up here. Jamie and D, uh, DJ and Jamie Eisenhart, already messed it up. Come here. Randy and Leanne Fry. Jeff and Nancy Humberson, Rudy and Capri Hardigy, George and Amanda Valise. Brothers and sisters, you have been identified for the work of deacon and the wife of a deacon in the Lake Jackson Church of Christ. You have proven your character and quality before this congregation and this community. As deacon, you're being asked to devote yourselves to special tasks that will be given you by the elders of the congregation for the faithfulness and effectiveness of this body. You're asked to lead us in Christian service. You're being honored by being asked to become deacons and deacons' wives. But even more, you're assuming a tremendous responsibility. This is a serious commitment not to be taken lightly. Much is expected of you in life and your work. It will take dedication and personal sacrifice. The elders of the congregation have called you to serve as those who dedicate time and give special priority to the care and support of widows, the vulnerable or defenseless among us, the effective functioning of various ministries of this congregation, and the support of the well-being of the congregation as a whole. May God bless you in this great ministry. Uh, so in a moment, uh, as I ask each uh, deacon and his wife to affirm this uh, commitment, uh, when I call their name individually, any family members in the audience, if you would stand with them, we know you're a big part of, of why they are here and why they've been identified and in their, the way they've been trained up to this day. Uh, so each of you and your wives will ask you to publicly accept this responsibility. You're being asked to accept the identification of this body and the calling of God 
and to be a deacon and a servant for this congregation, to bring glory to God in all you do, to follow Jesus in serving over being served, and to continually invite the Holy Spirit to walk alongside as you as you grow in service for the kingdom in, in this congregation. Uh, so would the family of DJ and Jamie Eisenhart stand at this time? <clears throat> a DJ, let me find you. Oh. <laughs> and Jamie, do you accept the calling of God and the identification of this body to be a deacon and servant for this congregation? Praise God. Uh, Randy and Leanne Fry, would, the, would their family please stand? Thank you. Randy and Leanne, do you accept the calling of God and the identification of this body to be a deacon and servant for this congregation? Praise God. Jeff and Nancy Humberson, uh, would your family? <laughs> yes, you. <laughs> Jeff and Nancy, do, do you accept the calling of God and the identification of this body to be a deacon and servant for this congregation? Praise God. Uh, Rudy and Capri Hardy, would you, any family? You brought them with you. I like that. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Rudy and Capri, do you accept the calling of God and the identification of this body to be a deacon and servant for this congregation? Praise God. Uh, the family of George and Amanda, Belize, and they brought some of their family up front too. George and Amanda, do you accept the calling of God and the identification of this body to be a deacon and servant for this congregation? Praise God. This time I would ask all of the uh, current existing deacons along with their wives to stand where you are. The word of God for all deacons, from Psalm 68, is that God in this holy habitation is a father of orphans, protector of widows, that God gives a desolate a homeland, and he leads the prisoners out of prosperity with singing. From Ephesians 4, he says that each one of us, grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it to equip his people for works of service and building up the body of Christ. And in Matthew 20 says, Christ tells his disciples, tells us, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So as a commission for all deacons, all those comprising the body of deacons, deacons' wives, do you again affirm your commitment to these principles to act only for the blessings and building up of our church congregation. Great.
the whole congregation, if y'all would stand, I uh, would like y'all to turn and face the congregation, if you would, please, and join me as we sing the song of Make Me a Servant, and realize, you know, our commitment to our Lord and Savior, being a servant is not just a title, it's all our duty, and as we sing this together, we need to sing this in commitment of each and every one of us here in this church and being a servant. Lord, make me a servant. Lord, make me like you. For you are a servant. Make me one too. Lord, make me a servant. Do what you must do. Before you get seated, I'd like for, for you all to stand if you can, <laughs> if you're able, okay? The elders and their wives are, can come up here and, and put their hands on the, the new deacons here, and, and we're asking you for in the congregation, to the existing deacons that are out there, if you're close to them, put your hands on, lay their hands on them also. Okay, now join me in a prayer of blessing here. Almighty Heavenly Father, we know that you have blessed the deacons here in the past with courage, grace, cheerfulness, vision, and hope. We pray that you give this same spirit to the new deacons and their wives as they begin their service to the church in leadership and ministry. Give them a sense of your abiding presence and everlasting hope. Keep their eyes and heart focused on you. Let them be faithful, patient, and wise, and serve without reproach as an example to all of us. Let your church be strengthened by their service and let them protect and care for those among us who are greatest in need. We pray that though that they would serve you with humility and grace, always remembering that you are the head of the body and that we need to be diligent to keep the unity of our spirit and the bond of peace. Help them also equip the others for ministry and lead each member of building up in building up the body. We ask that you bless George, Randy, DJ, Rudy, and Jeff. And may they continue to be a living sacrifice to you, Lord. May their families be strengthened in every way and protected from harm. May their lives be filled with love so that others can see your love in their lives. Let them proclaim your gospel in word and in deed so that your name is glorified. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and Friend, who would have a lack of 
as a teacher, I had to learn a lot of technique. So one of the things I learned is you have to repeat yourself. But I already knew that because I was a dad. So um, last week, uh, my, te- my preacher said that as far as it depended on me, I was supposed to live at peace with other people. But he was actually quoting another preacher. So um, I, I, I heard it. Um, but then uh, this morning, uh, Monty shared some really amazing stories about people who were not living in peace, who had come to live in peace with each other. Uh, Some pretty impressive stories. I'm sure he'd be willing to share those again if you didn't catch them this morning. And this weekend, uh, Gretchen and I listened to an audio book on the way to College Station, and the guy talked a lot about how, as Christians, we have a responsibility to live at peace with others who, who may be not even interested in living at peace with us. But he pointed out that we can't really do that well until we're at peace with God. And um, each week as we gather to remember the Lord's Supper, one of the things that we should remind ourselves of is that Jesus has brought us peace with God. I want to read from Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 13. It says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near. By the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that Jesus was willing to come and to offer his very life on our behalf. As we take this bread now, we remember that he gave his his body in in his very self, everything about him to accomplish that, to to make us right with you and to, um, to bring us peace. Lord, we ask that you would enable this to strengthen us and encourage us as we take it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Would you join me in prayer again? Dear God, as we take this cup now, we remember Jesus had to give his very life. He had to shed his blood on our behalf in order to uh, provide a sacrifice worthy of the sins that we had committed and still commit. Lord, we thank you for, uh, for that love, uh, for that willingness uh, to redeem us. We ask that as we take this, it would strengthen us and further our resolve to live for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
As you know, we won't pass the plates this morning, but we'll have this moment to offer a prayer uh, for the offering. Pray with me, please. Dear God, we thank you for um, providing the things in this world that we need. We thank you for the abundant world that we live in, particularly. Lord, help us not to be overly attached to the things of this world. Help us to recognize them as blessings from you. Help us to recognize them as ways that we can bless and serve others as well. Lord, help us to, um, to, uh, to think wisely about the way that we spend our time and energy and money and resources. Help us to try to do our best to serve you well with them. We ask that you would bless this offering, that you would use it for furthering your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. This, uh, this morning's scripture reading is going to be from Romans 13, verses 11 through 14, talking about the day of salvation being near. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Let's all stand before... Uh our lesson this morning and sing this song. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest Yeah. 
them. And again, the church says, Amen. Man, what a great day to be here. What time is it? You may have heard that before. Some of you may be sitting there looking at your watches. Oh, we are X number of minutes from kickoff. Some of you may be saying, oh, we're X number of minutes away from needing to adjust my fantasy football roster because somebody got injured and didn't get in the thing. Some of you may be saying, it is time to get home because the roast is in the oven. Somebody say, David Taylor and I, were out, were out, and I were out on the golf course. This has to be 10 years ago or more. And we're riding. We've had a few shots, I don't know, three or four holes into the, into the course out at the wilderness. And I, I'm not sure what prompted him. I think we were kind of in a shady spot. He pulls up and he says, he stops and he says, Alan, do you know what time it is? I thought, it's time for us to tee off. Um, it's time for me to hit a decent shot. Um, it's time for you not to beat me so badly for a while. David uh, was raised and was a, a very immersed in what's called premillennial dispensationalism. That is a view of how the end times come together that is very regimented with you see what's going on politically and you compare that to Daniel and Revelation and you build these blocks and say, Jesus is just around the corner. And he said, Alan, I think we're... And he then proceeded 15 minutes. Two groups went past us. He just waved them on because he was preaching and he needed to tell me about what time we were in. Paul also wants the people in Rome to know what time it is. The language that Paul is using here is in reality borrowed from Isaiah 49, and he's playing off that passage. He is using the linguistic keys to point his readers back to Isaiah 49. Not a big deal for Paul. Paul had probably memorized most of the Old Testament. And so when he could, he could just drop a couple of phrases, and what his readers were supposed to do is know that that was a hyperlink to go click that and go somewhere else so that you could understand what he was talking about. Isaiah 49, 8 says, At just the right time I will respond to you. And Paul says, you know the time, that it, the hour is already here. One is an anticipation, and Paul says, nope, we're there. Isaiah will say, on the day of salvation I will help you, looking forward to something an anticipation of something, and Paul says, nope, that salvation is nearer now. It is being revealed. There is an anticipation in Isaiah that Paul says we no longer need to sit around and wait for. But to understand what time it is for Paul, what time it is for the church in Rome, what time it is for the people of God, I think we need to go back and read the verses that surround this phrase in Isaiah 49. So read with me. And now the Lord speaks, the one who formed me in my mother's womb to be his servant. Isaiah has a lot of this language about the servant of God and that he's supposed to accomplish the things of God. Who commissioned me to bring Israel back to him. I want you to see, hear that language. I'm a servant and I'm supposed to bring God's people closer to him. The Lord has honored me. And my God has given me strength for this great task. But then verse 6. He says, 
you will do, say it with me, more. You will do more than restore the people of Israel. I will make you a light to the Gentiles. You can substitute there a light for everybody. Can you say it with me? Everybody. And you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. You see, the time of the Lord that he's pointing towards and the salvation of the Lord are not necessarily just about, in Isaiah, about the idea that there's a great coming of the Lord, that great getting up day, amen? When we will stand on Zion's summit and we will be united as a whole people of God. Every race, every color, every creed, all of us, amen, will be gathered there. And he says, but we don't have to wait for that day. This is the time. This is what the Lord says, at just the right time I will respond to you and on the day of salvation I will help you. This is that time. Paul is pointing those in the church of Rome and us today to end the night of division among people and particularly the division among those who call Jesus Lord and Savior. Amen? He calls us to a unity in Christ that proclaims to the world that the time of the Lord is not some day we're pointing to, to way in the future, but is a day that is imminently upon us. A day where the night gives way to the daytime, where the darkness gives way to the light, where the darkness of night and the deeds that go on at night give way to the daytime in Christ, where there is no provision for, and what Paul says here is flesh in the sense of satisfying fleshly desires, instead... We don't want to put on the world stuff. We want to put on the Jesus stuff. Amen? And in putting on the Jesus stuff, we are becoming a present reality of what God will fulfill when Jesus comes back to make all things new. In the middle of this, Paul does what we're kind of familiar with him doing. The move from darkness to light is a list of vices and us good church people, we like these vices, don't we? They make us really happy to stand there and say, you sinful people. Carousing and drunkenness. Sexual immorality and sensuality. Don't they? They just roll off the tongue with disgust, don't they? These were in reality well known. And by the way, the Bible is not the one accusing particularly society in the city of Rome... But largely, if you were a, an elite Roman citizen, you saw your role in being an elite Roman citizen to have big parties and to invite friends to have a big, over to have big parties. Big parties where all kinds of dark things went on. The nighttime activities. I was reading one commentator. He said, you don't actually have to go to ancient Rome to see this. And by the way, there's a display of what things were like at that time at the Houston Museum of Natural Science in the Pompeii exhibit. And it's um, kind of amazing. Uh, by the way, not for children. Let's just say it that way. But the current commentators of the day made these accusations. What are we doing carousing? What are we doing in utter blind drunkenness? What are we doing where whoever you can sleep with, whenever you want to sleep with them... How can that be the backbone of society? These are not biblical writers saying this. These are the social critics of the day 
that are commonly saying there is a famous painting drawing as it were of the invasion of Rome and that the barbarians break into this party where everybody is passed out drunk and naked and the barbarians have arrived and it's over the party is over and so it's very easy for us to sit there and Paul says the night of Roman culture is coming to an end and I think absolutely let's make no mistakes about this he's making sure that the church knows and you have to be sure you say making sure the church Gentile leaders and those who have some status in the Gentile society know now guys this can't be part of what we're doing okay and I think they knew that but he was reminding them that but really what he was doing is getting them on board because the, the conclusion of the list, as it almost always does with Paul's list of vices, stands in stark contrast to what Roman society was doing and becomes a clear warning to the church. If I said, get rid of that carousing, we would all say? If I said, get rid of that drunkenness and orgies, you would all say? If I said, get rid of that, and, and by the way, it's a great list. Because every version you read comes up with different English words to describe these things. My favorite one is debauchery. Aren't we against debauchery? But are we ready to say that we want to end quarreling? Are we ready to say that we're never going to look at our brother or sister in Christ with any kind of jealousy? Because Paul is calling the church to be something very different. We've called deacons today. A few months ago, we called elders. We call constantly call our church. We are to live a new life, a renewed life, a life that has seen Jesus and is changed because we've seen Jesus. We got to sit in Bible class this morning and hear about Croats and Serbs that aren't killing each other anymore. They're brothers in Christ and loving each other. We got to hear about Sunnis and Shiites, blood enemies, who want to love each other because Jesus has changed things. I don't know what the challenges will be for us, but we are about to turn the page to chapter 14. And chapter 14 introduces some language that probably, if you've been around church very long, you've heard somebody talk about the weak and the strong. Chapter 13 ends to prepare us for how we will talk about the weak and the strong. The contrast thus far in Romans have largely been Jews and Gentiles. You can see it every single page you turn. This language is very simple. The language of these two chapters is not difficult to translate. It's not difficult to get the English meaning out of those words. But it is extremely difficult to interpret. What is the word for the church about how we are to get along? And how are we to see each other? And how are we to see our own selves in this process? As the highlighted verses here say... We're not going to get together for the purpose of quarreling over opinions. Instead, we're not going to pass judgment on one another. We who are strong ought to put up with the failings of the weak. 
and not please ourselves. And that final one, chapter 15, verse 7. Are we going to welcome one another just as Christ welcomed us? You see, there's only one way that's going to accomplish that unity. And I can promise you, I did not know the content of Monty's presentation today when this sermon was being put together. There is only one way to accomplish that unity, and it is by putting on Christ. This is language that ties us right back, again, one of those hyperlink kind of things, that ties us right back to Romans chapter 6, where he said, don't you know that all of us who were baptized were baptized into Christ? We have put off the old self, we've been raised to a new self. Jesus wants to do something more with us. And yes, we do say, free of sin and full of the Spirit. Amen? Fitted for heaven. I love that phrase. Fitted. I'm already ready for what God's going to do. But we're not just fitted for a heaven that's then. We're fitted to bring a kingdom of God here and now. Amen? And yes... The insertion of the kingdom needs to affect our neighborhoods. And the insertion of the kingdom needs to affect our city and state and our nation. The insertion of the kingdom needs to change the world. But Paul says, you know where it's going to start? It's going to start in the family of God. And the way we live with each other has to be about providing a unity that says to the world... The stuff out there is not going to define how we're going to love each other in here. Amen. Put on Christ. So as he called us to be living sacrifices, as he called us to not be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, I would say to you that as he comes to the end of chapter 13, he is saying, put on Christ so that we can be called to Christoformity. You may have wondered why the guy on the rock has been holding out his arms all this time through all these lessons. It's because he is symbolically saying, I want to be a living sacrifice on the cross of Christ. I will let nothing that is of the flesh and of my human darkness keep me from the love that Christ would have me have for one another. I don't know who, I don't know what it is that makes you walk down that aisle as opposed to that aisle so that you don't have to run into that person. I don't know what makes you run out the door real quick so I don't have to see such and such. I don't know what it is that you might say, boy, that sounds like a really good ministry I'd like to get into, but I'm not sure I want to work with that person. Whatever those things are, Christ is bigger than those things. Somebody say. And so, as always, the good news always, always leads us to the cross. The good news of freedom from sin leads us to the cross. The good news that Christ is coming again to make, us, to make all things new leads us to the cross. The message that we have to overcome the human stuff that separates us so that we can be his witnesses in this world right here, right now. 
on Yopon Street in Lake Jackson, Texas, is the cross. So the invitation. The invitation is to take up, again, you're not taking up Jesus' cross. You don't even get my cross. I've got mine. You get to pick up yours, and we get to walk together with Jesus. I invite you to a conversation that has to first start with reading Romans 14 and 15 and to ponder what it is to think about what he calls the strong and the weak in that congregation. And I think he has some particular meanings for that, and we'll get into that in next week's sermon. I want you to ask questions. What is it that God is calling me to cruciform, Christoform, so that I can be who God needs me to be? Right here and right now with these people. If you're online with us and you'd like to join in that conversation, the number's there and you can send us a message there and we will pick that up and start that conversation. But you know what? How do you take up your cross? The first step to taking up the cross is saying, I want to die to self, leave behind sin, and I want to be raised to new life. If today is the day that you need to do that so that you can move on to being part of his mission, to bring the world together under the lordship of Christ, then, man, today would be a great day to come. Somebody say, amen. Won't you come as we stand and as we sing? Sing the wondrous love of Jesus, His mercy and His grace. In the mansion bright and blessed, He'll prepare us a place. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing again church hasn't been a blessing to be here this morning alan thank you for your message this morning and monty as well we really appreciate um, you bringing that message during our class as, as alan mentioned if you didn't get a chance to hear that please um, catch up with monty outside he'll be by the booth out there and, and get more information it was truly a blessing to hear from from monty in class this morning we'd like to thank all of you for joining us here this morning and those joining us online as well and also Thank you for your continued financial support uh, of the congregation and uh, the community here. I'd also like to thank you for your support of the deacon identification process that we've gone through over the last um, several months. And also to thank you for your, each one of you, your vital service to the ministry of this church. Each of the things that you do, the ministries that you're involved in, the things that you do day to day are the build, build up and the edify this church. And we really appreciate what you're doing there. I do have one um, thank you note to read from Belinda Tavry. It says, thank you for your overwhelming support of our loving BISD activities. Your generous donations will allow us to provide a cake to help them, AP Boydell, celebrate their amazing accomplishment of achieving their blue ribbon school status. If you're able, um, please join us November 8th at 9.30 to begin celebrating with the parade. And that's from Belinda Tavry. Thanks, uh, Belinda, Belinda, and we appreciate the work that you do in that ministry as well. So um, 
we do have our church picnic that is coming up this evening, and I received some additional notes from Jerry and Arlene on this, so let me read through so you know some of the details. The church cookout is still on in spite of the rain, but there will be a few challenges, so be prepared for this. Grass will be too soft to park, so you need to stay on the gravel as much as possible, please. There are lots of puddles, and we are fine with kids, and I'm going to add in adults if you want to as well, um, playing in the puddles. So parents and um, yourselves as well, plan on your kids getting dirty, dress them in old clothes, might bring a change for a ride home. We can also run them through the tub and hose them down with the garden hose if needed. Okay? And adults, again, if you want to jump in the puddles, feel free to. But the food, fun, and fellowship will be just as great as always. So please plan to come out this afternoon, 4 o'clock to 7 o'clock, and enjoy yourself at the, at the picnic. The church health assessment um, is, has been complete as far as the information going into it. We um, ask that you please be here um, for Sunday school next uh, Sunday morning to hear from um, the, the details on that, uh, that report. So please pl plan to join us at 9.30 a.m. for that. One additional prayer request that I would ask that you please remember before we go into prayer. Um, Clyde Stewart, Janice and Clyde Stewart, Clyde's caretaker for his dementia has given notice and Clyde will be without a caregiver for the time being and they're asking prayers um, as they go through this time period. So let's please do continue to remember them. There are no other announcements. Let's go ahead and go to our Father in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given to us. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to come and worship you today. We thank you for um, the, the servants of this congregation, whether they be deacons, ministry leaders, elders, whoever it may be. Lord, we thank you for those individuals and the work that goes on in this congregation that supports our local um, community here and around the world. Lord, we're thankful for the work that Monty is doing and the, the EEM mission is doing over in Europe and the blessing that that's been and how it's continuing to spread your word. And we pray that you'll continue to bless that, um, the work that's going on there. Lord, we pray, pray that you'll be with um, Clyde Stewart and the situation that they're in. We pray that you'll help them to identify um, something to continue to help him in this situation. Lord, continue to watch over us and bless us as we go through this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And don't forget to, parents, to go grab your kids from... Praise kids, mm -hmm. all those different things. Thank you, Kevin. Let's all stand for our closing song. Give me a heart of a servant, tender and faithful and true.